Hello and welcome to another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And this week we are getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Iron Maiden concert that we went to, and um, the Munsters in an extension of our Rob Zombie episodes. And also we're going to get into the new song from Metallica. So without further ado, let's get into the... uh, Metallica song. What do you think? Yeah, it was cool. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, nobody was expecting them to drop a new song. Like, and it was like, uh, it wasn't just the fact that they dropped a new single that happens. You know, Metallica has a habit of doing that. The last couple of albums, all of a sudden, it's like new single. They like dropped a single that nobody expected. Announced an album that nobody expected. I mean, they've been said, they've been saying they've been working on stuff, but they've been touring a lot too. Right. So all of a sudden it's like, bam, here's a new song. Bam. The album comes out in April. Bam. We're doing a world tour in support of the new album. Bam. Pantera is going to be the opening act on the first night of these shows. Right. So it's kind of like uh, this weird, like out of nowhere, you just get this huge like wave of Metallica news. So I'm probably I'm looking into already uh, maybe getting tickets and going to to SoFi Stadium uh, and check that out for maybe do the two nights. Uh, it's cool that they're doing a um, no repeated set list, so it's two nights in each city and each show is a completely different set list. Right, that's awesome. So that's cool. That may that <laughs> it's a good way to make people buy two tickets because mm-hmm. if you didn't hear the song you wanted on the first show you can maybe see it on the second right but then if you it's what's interesting about that because they did something like that with their anniversary shows a few months back Mm -hmm. then you start getting stuff like these deep cuts that don't play live very often and you wonder how they're going to spread it out because you can't have all the hits on one show right you got to have like okay if we're going to play Enter Sandman show one, we got to play Seek and Destroy show two. So there's got to be a... Almost like a draft pick order, maybe. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. It should be cool, man. And it's cool that they did it like a day in between. Like if they did Saturday and Sunday, that might be a bit much, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. I said I would never set foot in SoFi Stadium. I'm kind of rethinking that. I'm not sure about it, but, you know. Well, just just think of it as going to watch Metallica at the Rams Stadium. No shit. Yeah, that's what I'd fucking, have to do. The Chargers just crash on their fucking couch. That's yeah. Different. Yeah, exactly. I was kind of on the fence with that, too, but then it's like, oh, WrestleMania is going to be there. And me and my brother have considered getting WrestleMania tickets because WrestleMania is one of them bucket list things for me. Okay. You know, I've been a wrestling fan ever since I was a little kid. You know, WrestleMania is like the biggest fucking thing. Yeah. And it's hard to go see that. You know, it's, you know, it's once a year and it's rarely within driving distance. Yeah. It's like the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So... Now, the song itself, we should probably circle back around to that because there's right. just a lot of Metallica news that came out of that. Yeah. 
I remember when I showed you that, your first thought was, wow, three minutes and 30 seconds is pretty short for a Metallica song. Yeah. I'm noticing they did this with um, uh, when Hardwired came out. It wasn't nearly as short, but it was like a four-minute song. It seems like their their pattern now is to record like a short, like a shorter track mm-hmm. that's like energetic, and then release that as the lead single. Right. So you see that and go, oh, that's got some sick riffs. You get everything you wanted out of it mm-hmm. in a short listen mm-hmm. and that kind of is like, here's the appetizer for, for the album. So I don't know if they did that with that in mind specifically like, Oh, let's make it a bite size sample of what this album is going to be. But if that's a, if it's an indication of what that album is going to be, I like what it's going to be. The fucking riff was really reminiscent of like uh kill them all era Metallica shit right. down to the guitar tone and everything. So it really, was a a big callback to you know their early days at least in the riff totally also the speed of the song and the aggressiveness of the song yeah yeah i i liked it a lot there's people bitching about it of course because you know um people didn't like the solo there was even some guy some youtuber who like oh check out my solo that i put in instead type of thing already yeah so there's that and then there's the people when when i first heard it as i told you yeah people are gonna say that's not really lars because the drums sound pretty fucking tight and you know lars is much maligned and sure enough there were people saying that the drum sounded programmed and shit like that i thought it was the best drum sound that lars ever had though so do i Yep, I thought this drum sounded great. Um, I thought, I I liked the solo also because, you know, it was kind of sudden and kind of in your face. And that's kind of old Kirk style. Yeah. So I like that. You know, yeah, man. I, I think, like you said, if this is the direction that the album's going, then I think I'll be happy with it. Yeah, I really, just to harp on the drums a little bit more, I was listening, because I've listened to this single a few times because I really wanted to like kind of, get an ear for it and it's an earworm it, it sticks in your head mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was trying to think of you know what does it remind me of you know what songs off kill em all it kind of reminds me of but then i realized that the double kick sound on it actually reminds me of um motorhead mm. but it reminds me of it's like kind of getting in the weeds about it uh if you want to plug this in later but it's uh 
you can listen you can plug in the new a little bit of the new song but mm-hmm. the drum sound for the double kicks reminded me a lot of um the sound and the uh when motorhead re-recorded overkill mm-hmm. um back in the late 2000s or early mm-hmm. 2010s or something like that it had a very similar sound to me right it's kind of uh so it really hooked me on that i'm like damn dude Because he's, I mean, Lars has done the double kick quite a bit, you know, back in the day. And this was the first time it really felt like it was really kind of rattling my guts a little Mm. bit. There's definitely like a more heaviness to it, you know. It's hard to describe. It's just when you hear it, you know, it just just felt like it was kind of hitting you a little harder. So, right. It was very cool. I didn't see who um, produced it. Or I don't know if they even mentioned it, but I'm curious to know that. Because, yeah, I like the sound of it. I like the sound of it a lot. I don't know what the fuck Lux Eterna means. No, me Eternal light, I would guess. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I don't speak uh, fucking Latin. Um, Yeah. It's just fancy Spanish. (laughs) So, the upcoming album, 72 Seasons... Um, that was, uh, co-produced by Hetfield and Lars. Okay. Along with their longtime producer, Greg, uh, Fiedelman. Okay. He was the engineer slash mixer on Death Magnetic. Ooh. He was the producer on Lulu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> less we talk about that, the fucking better. Right. Uh, producer, engineer, mixer. On Hardwired and uh, producer slash mixer on S and M two. Okay, so he's the new guy, I yeah. guess, and they and they produce with them, which is cool, which is fine, because I mean, they know their way around a fucking studio by now, you know, and they know what sound they're looking for. I like that it's co-produced, but also has an actual producer in there. Mm-hmm. That way, you don't get some fucked up drum sound like we ended up with. Uh, Right. You know, um, on some other things. Saint Anger and shit like that, where Lars thought this is going to be sick. Yeah. And then it's fucking not. But, I mean, he's been mostly reined in since that incident. Yeah. But, yeah, totally. The problem is when you got dudes in the band producing the shit, they start wanting to fucking put themselves higher in the mix. Mm hmm. That's true. That's what led to the breakup of the uh, Dio era Sabbath the first right. time. Yeah, they uh, got mad at Dio, supposedly mixing himself higher. Right. Um, yeah. In the studio for Live Evil or some shit like that. 
Which I guess all really turned out to be coke paranoia at the end of the day. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Just because we had um, just gotten done doing the uh, Rob Zombie episodes or whatever, and we had <laughs> talked about it so much, I watched the Munsters movie. Otherwise, I wouldn't have watched it because kind of like campy monster movies are not my thing. You know, so I probably wouldn't have watched it, but I did watch it because of all that. And I went back and watched some old episodes of the Munsters to kind of get a baseline to see, you know, what the fuck I was looking at or supposed to be looking at. And did it help? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Does no, it? <laughs> no, not really. Because like the only really good thing that I could say about the Munsters movie was that it kind of looked cool like it was like good to look at you know there was a lot to look at and shit which is fine but that's kind of contrary to the original show which was in black and white you know so you couldn't even really tell in the show that you know Herman was supposed to be green or that I guess Gramps was supposed to be blue or whatever but in the movie he's they're like shockingly green and blue you know or whatever so you know that was that was like to me was the best part was just that it was it was kind of cool looking yeah um apparently rob zombie wanted to do it in black and white um and he was told absolutely not you cannot do it so he got his little black and white at the end where they recreated the uh the monsters intro in black and white but other than that he was told no, you're not doing fucking black and white. It has to be in color. So what I'm gathering from this after watching that, I think when he was told, after he was told, nope, this won't, you got to do this in color, he decided to run just head first in the other direction. As like, fine, if I have to do it in color, I'm going to do it in the most color possible. Right. Okay. That so, makes sense, and that's what it looks like. Because it really does, visually. Visually, there are parts where it really pops, like you said. Like, it's blue, 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 green, green, green. It's very... Mm-hmm. And they have, like, all the different colored lighting effects that they did in the different scenes. So I'll agree with you that um, visually, it was interesting to look at. It was visually mm-hmm. stimulating. Like, a baby would fucking love to watch that movie because there's so many things going on and so many colors. But I am a grown adult watching a mon- a monster movie. I didn't think it was going to be good to begin with. Right. Uh, we even joked like, okay, well, we're going to have to comment on this when this comes out. We're going to watch it as a curiosity. Even as a curiosity, it fucking sucked. Yeah. It was meandering. Rob Zombie can't write comedy. Um, yeah. That He's not fucking funny. Right. He needs dudes that are fucking funny to punch up his script or something. For sure. Because it's like... Anytime you see some shit that's written by someone that's not fucking funny, that's supposed to, that's a comedy, ah, oh, I fucking hate that. Because it's like always when you watch like a, I think we've mentioned this before, I don't know if it was on this or on Facebook, when, like when you watch like a sitcom or something, mm-hmm. and then somebody in it has a stand-up act, and they're crushing in it, but it's like this is where like actual funny comedy would be. If somebody that knew how to write, write stand-up was actually writing that. So it's mm-hmm. like some dude crushing on like the worst fucking material. And it kind of felt like that. It's just like, 
a dude that's not funny trying to write jokes. Mm-hmm. I think I chuckled lightly at one point. Um, mm-hmm. The rest of it, I was just like, what is even happening in this? Because it doesn't seem to have a whole lot of plot going on. And then it just fucking ends. Like, yeah, it just ends weird. Like it's if you're going to like do a fucking Munster's origin movie that nobody asked for. Like, no one asked for Munsters Begins and shit like right. that, you know? Right. You know, just so we could get the Munsters Rises or something later. But, um... Well, that's that's the thing. And I was going to ask you since, you, since you seem to know a little bit about the production, I got the feeling watching this shit that there's already sequels guaranteed because... I should hope so for Rob Zombie's sake because it, w- it wouldn't be on merit. <laughs> right, because otherwise, first, like you said, why go with an origin story? And then right off the bat, you know, two of your characters, you know, there's no Eddie Munster. There's no Marilyn. Yeah. You know, so it's, so it's like, you know, which were big parts of, of the original show was, you know, because Eddie Munster has to go to school. Yeah. You know, and fucking Marilyn brings dates around. They drop her off and they get scared the shit out of them somehow by fucking whatever. And even Herman, you know, in the original series, he has jobs and shit. You know, he even tried out for the Dodgers one time. Yeah. You know, so it's like the interaction with the public, you know, was missing. You know, there was, yeah, there was a a lot of the basic storyline of of the Munsters just wasn't there. Well, yeah. You know. (laughs) You have to break down the fact, too, that... um Glad that everybody that wanted to listen to a metal podcast now is getting a very in-depth analysis on the monsters. Um, right. I loved the monsters as a kid. I liked it more than the yeah, Adams I watched family. It. Um, the whole point of the original show was you had Herman and Lily and grandpa and the whole family and they look like monsters, but they're pretty fucking normal. Mm-hmm. They're just doing the thing and living their life. And the gag kind of was that all the so-called normal people were the fucking weirdos that yeah. they interacted with. And they didn't quite... I don't know. I always feel like Rob Zombie likes things, but he doesn't understand why they're good. So when he tries yeah. to replicate it, it misses the point. So it's like right. the monsters are fucking weird. Like Herman's like a weird beatnik. And then he's in some like fucking noise rock band at one point yeah. that I don't know. Is this him? calling back to his shitty those shitty early white zombie albums we couldn't stand right the whole thing was fucking weird like the i didn't need a backstory on (coughs) how herman's brain accidentally got switched with some shitty vaudeville comic yeah you know our our buddy uh alan moore at one point he's trying to watch this he's like what year does this take place in (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so you have a bunch of like Things that don't really work together. It was cool seeing uh, Cassandra Peterson, a.k.a. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, as the realtor. Mm-hmm. So her getting to play like a non-Elvira role in something was fun. She was kind of a highlight just seeing her. Right. But then, I don't know, like you said, there's no Eddie. I thought maybe we're going to have like a, okay, the ending is, hi, I'm your niece, Marilyn, blah, 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 blah. I was, you know, I'm coming to live with you somehow. Or maybe there's a post-credit scene with Lily having a positive pregnancy test. And, oh, she's pregnant. It's going to be. (laughs) At least least now I forgot that uh, Lily had a brother 
in the show because now it's like, oh. oh, yeah, so that's why a Frankenstein and a vampire fucked and had a werewolf. Is She's got a right. werewolf brother, so, like, there's <laughs> werewolf DNA in that. Nothing really makes sense with that. I guess it's not supposed to. It's just having – it's just fun to have all these different mo- monsters together. But, yeah, the whole thing right. sucked. It was a good, nice little way to cap off our Rob Zombie episodes because we yeah. talked about how – me extensively, my problems I have with Rob Zombie movies and this. Yep. This was the opposite problem. It's like, I don't know, man. I almost wished he would have kept his regular style. Like, it would have been mm-hmm. more, at least, mm-hmm. interesting to watch if it was like weird, gross hillbilly monsters where they all yeah. cuss all the time and people get fucking murdered. Or him trying to do a PG 13 comedy was just so, f- it's so out of his wheelhouse that I don't know, dude. It was fucking weird. Right. Then we got Wednesday just came out because they didn't want to split the audience on that. But Right. Well, I I actually, like, I'm not a Tim Burton fan, but I've watched one episode of Wednesday, and I way better like the direction he's going. Yeah, no, I, with that. I'm on, like, episode three or four of it, and it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah I, I like it. Uh, it. It seems like it's it's going to be pretty good. In in closing on that, on the Munsters, shout out to uh, the original Herman Munster, Fred Gwynn, because the more that I watched the old show and the movie, I realized that, really, he's a great fucking character actor. He really, yeah. And without, and without him, that show probably wouldn't have been much. You know, so there's a lot to it when you when you uh, catch lightning in a bottle with a certain actor, a certain character, or a certain cast. Because the other, you know, the dude who played Grandpa was awesome too in the old show, and and Lily was awesome too. So um, even Eddie. So yeah, you know, sometimes it, it's hard to like recreate anything, you know, like that. That's iconic, but yeah, you know, I I just it could have been way 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 better. I'll give whoever was playing Fred uh, Herman. Oh, I want to say Fred here. Now I'm thinking about the yeah. Flintstones. Um, whoever played Herman, I don't know his name off the top of my head, and Sherry Moon, Zombie, and everything. They made they all made some very bold character decisions yeah. that they really ran with. I wouldn't call them the correct choices, <laughs> but they at right. least went all in on him because they they did not seem anything like the characters in the show there was a lot of what the fuck is this supposed to be and then i watched like a video breakdown of it Mm -hmm. one of the dudes that was breaking this movie down said that um the dude playing herman seemed more like he was emulating um the herman munster in like the munsters today show that was in the 80s than the original one Right. So it was this weird mishmash. Like, I will say this. The dude that played the grandpa in this one, he probably carried the movie. He's mm-hmm. probably seemed the most like the original character, and he really leaned hard into it. And he was probably the most fun to watch on screen at any given moment. I think so, too. Sherry was, I don't know what the fuck she was doing. I don't know. It wasn't Lily. It was something else. It's like she's trying to do that, like, 60s housewife from you know the Something those like kinds that. of shows back in the day but not really lily so it was very weird it just yeah. the whole thing was off-putting but okay totally anyways enough of that all right another thing that i caught on the television 
was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction for this year. We didn't do the setup show like we normally did, so we didn't like get into all of the nominees or whatever, which, you know, honestly, this class was a little bit hard to like kind of get into anyway, but um, I did watch the show, the whole show, and um, the highlights for me were Pat Benatar. Um, she came out with uh, basically just her four-piece band, and they just played it like a fucking little rock and roll show. Could have they could have been in a club, and they killed it. You know they 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 played Heartbreaker, which was like her first hit and one of her heavier songs. So that was cool. Uh, Neil Giraldo, you know, um, I think he's a pretty good guitar player. Like, I would put him in with some of the better guitar players from the 70s and from the 80s, you know, even though he has like this weird 50s style mixed with kind of 80s. But, you know, he's he had some riffs over the years and, you know, he gets down on a couple of solos here and there. So, you know, I was, I was uh, cool with that. Duran Duran, they're also a band, which most of the people that got in are not bands. So they were a band, and um, they were one of those bands that I always heard, like in high school, people would say, oh, you know, they're great live, you know, they're, they're badass musicians and all this. But to me, they were, you know, too whatever for me. So I never was going to go see them yeah. live. So I would never know what they what they you know were like or whatever and they played live and they were pretty good you know they uh they got a tight little rhythm section and i like the bass player and so that was good but of course the main thing was judas priest for yeah. us you know uh long time coming they didn't get the full induction but it's some kind of a caveat induction but they still played and they still talked and everything you saw that part yeah right? and you know it was super cool having um kk join them on stage again of course now that's opening the speculation once again right is kk gonna rejoin priest this seems closer than it's ever been uh it sounds like the guys were really had a lot of fun playing with them again these are the kind of things that sometimes you just fucking get together and play and it could kind of heal some of the old wounds. KK's in the position that if they asked him to, it's, I mean, I know he has his own band, but he's, you think he's going to fucking, he's going to, he wouldn't just blow up KK's priest 
just to get back in oh, pace yeah. no. for a, a one last run. They're saying for like sure. we only got probably a one to three more years of Judas Priest left anyway. You know, right? Yeah, man. I think I think he wants back in, and I'm leading the charge on that, man. I thought it was fucking great. I thought the interaction that he had with Richie Faulkner was fucking like meant to be. Yeah, I'm fucking, and I was glad not to see uh, Andy Sneap on stage with his hat on, you know, and it it just, it looked more like Priest. It felt more like Priest. Glenn Tipton played, which was awesome. He even played a solo, which he played the solo to uh, Living After Midnight, which is probably like the simplest, I think it was one of the first solos that I ever learned. Because, you know, it's pretty... But, you know, he did it, and that was cool, you know, that, that he was able to do that. Yeah, man. I yeah, like it's it. going to be... And what's going to be interesting to me, let's say they do do this. We've already... Everybody's already fantasy sorted this out in their head that it's going to be KK will slip back into his role. Richie will be playing the, all the Glenn parts in the old right. songs. But, you know, it will be weird when they got to play some of the newer shit that KK wasn't a part of because technically Richie was filling the KK role during those, you know, album recordings because Glenn was still recording on the album. Yeah. So now it's like, but he doesn't play like KK either on his own shit. It's not an ace freely situation where he's aping, you know, Mm. well, uh, Tommy aping ace He's like, he plays the KK shit and he puts his own little flair on that live, but on the new shit, he's doing his own thing. So I'm hoping KK, if they get all that together, is okay with taking a little bit of a step back and not playing the lead lead in like he's playing backup lead in those positions. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I think first of all, I would imagine that if he rejoins the band, they'll go heavy on the old shit yeah. when they when they play. And and for a few songs, I don't think it'll be a problem. But another thing that I think will add to the whole dynamic is that all of these two guitar bands, when when they're the original guys, there's um a spirit of competition always you know between the two lead guitar players and then when one of them leaves and another one's hired that kind of goes away because this guy's just a hired hand and the other guy's like the boss you know so you don't want to show up your boss even if you're better or really competitive on on that level so in this case with Richie now being the dude that's in the band and KK coming back to the band, there will still be that competitive thing going oh, on, yeah. which I like as a, as a guitar player and as a fan of guitars. I I, I always I want to see like a solo duels and shit kind of. Oh, I fucking ripped you off. Okay, fucking do this. Yeah, there's gonna be a little bit oh, of yeah. that uh, that tension there, and there's definitely gonna be on KK's part. It's got, you got to imagine there's going to be like a, oh, I got to fucking show up the young guy, you know? Right. I got to show sure. him what's up. Now, never mind that Richie is like from the generation of Turbo Shredders. They can fucking play anything right. in the entire world. Exactly. And so you probably don't want to like challenge him to like some sort of guitar duel completely. Like in that, uh, right. Whatever that movie was with fucking, uh, 
Crossroads with Steve Vai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With Steve Vai and shit like that. Because fucking Richie might fuck, he, he might fucking melt your face off. Um, oh, for sure. At the same time, I've seen people, what's interesting to me, because I saw people going like, oh, when it came out that Richie actually offered to step down and not play uh, for the Hall of Fame show because he wasn't inducted in the band. Mm-hmm. So he offered to step back and let it just be the two originals. Mm-hmm. And the band was like, no, 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 you're going to play too. But I've seen a bunch of people being like, oh, man, he should he should have. It should have just been the original guys. It should have been fucking nah. Richie's cool, but he's not as good as KK. Um, you know, I've seen some some weird takes on that. And then like, uh, you know, oh, well, he can just like leave the band now. Mm. But some of the takes have been weird. So I've seen yeah. some where it's like, well, wait, you're going to have fucking KK and Andy Sneep. Yeah, it's not going to be fucking Glenn for tours. But then it was like I've seen people talk about the other way, like, oh, why don't they just do like fucking do like Maiden and just have three guitars? And it's like because mm-hmm. nobody's fucking there to see Andy Sneap. Yeah, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> Richie's been all over the place, and keep in mind too, people pre- you know when they talk, uh, Richie pretty much revitalizes band, and he almost mm-hmm. died on stage. Mm-hmm. playing with this band this dude finished a solo with his fucking aorta being ripped in half practically so it's like you know what he gets to stay yeah i am honored to say to you welcome to the rock and roll hall of fame
And and you know that's the thing about Priest fans and KK Downing fans is that they've always like there's always been a certain percentage of the fans that love KK or Team KK and think or thought that he was just as good or even better than Glenn, which to me is unimaginable that they would think that. But some people are super impressed with, you know, big fucking tremolo dives and squeals and fucking and cool sounds that KK's really fucking good at. Yeah. You know, he's like the fucking he's like the first coming of Gary King in that sense. Yeah. I've made that comparison before when I think of the two guitars in Priest, I think of um, Jeff Hanneman and Carrie King yeah. in Slayer. Yeah, pretty much. That's the same dynamic. And the thing is, is yeah, Carrie King does a bunch of weird shit, but Jeff Hanneman's the one writing all the coolest stuff and all the riffs. He's the riff master of the group. Right. And I know we've talked about this before because I've said, you know, when we did the, oh, are you a KK guy? Are you a Glenn guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, my argument was, um, you know, KK left the band and Judas Priest was still sick. For sure. I don't think if, I mean, we're getting to that point because Glenn can only have so much left in him. Right. But he worked on those albums. Mm-hmm. I don't think if you take him completely out of the mix, it's as cool. You know? Right. No, for sure. Even for if sure he's not. like, what's his face that had to fucking basically has to compose shit because he got like fucking Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Becker. Yeah. I think if they do one more album, even if fucking Glenn can't play anymore, I think he's going to help write. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, for sure. So for sure. That was my argument. And KK's Priest wasn't that sick. (laughs) So, yeah, it was okay. It was fine. I just... It had a lot of other things go working against it, but yeah. So I would say go on with KK and and Richie Faulkner, and you know with the occasional appearance from Glenn when he can, and when Glenn can't, then you have fucking two awesome fucking long hair flying V fucking motherfuckers on stage fucking, and it looks like fucking Judas Priest. Yeah, you know, I like that. That's I I hope that's what happens. That's uh, knock on wood. Yeah. All right. So, to the Maiden show that we, uh, the awesome fucking show that we all went to, which was cool that, you know, we all got to see the same show. So, now we can talk about it. Yeah. Oh, man. That shit was fucking, first off, I have to, like, I just wanted to throw in the uh, the story of where I ended up in the show. Because <laughs> um, I was on... I was on the fence about buying tickets because they got real expensive. Right. I, I'm making decent money now, but it was still hard for me to be like, phew, 300 bucks a ticket. I don't know about mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Eventually, me and my wife were supposed to go to Disneyland that day. So finally, she hurt her arm and it wasn't getting better fast enough. So we had already canceled one trip. And I just told her, I'm like, I don't think we're going this weekend. And she's like, yeah, probably not. And I was like, okay, would it be cool if I buy tickets to go see Iron Maiden then? You know, mm. and she's like, go have fun. So I hit up my friend Alex and he was down. His wife came. And what we did, we're like, well, everything's so fucking expensive. But them lawn tickets are still only thirty five dollars. Mm-hmm. And there's a ten dollar upcharge if we buy a fucking chair. 
So we got our tickets. We showed up early when Trivium was on. Right. Which I haven't sat at in the moment. I was like, oh, I guess Trivium's pretty cool. But I have to because everybody was clowning on Trivium like, dude, Trivium sucks. I'm like, I kind of enjoyed it. But this was tempered by the fact that I did take a fucking edible in the parking lot. So I thought everything was cooler in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So because I don't I don't really do edibles that often or anything like that. So I was like, fuck, yeah, this is chill. But um, we go, we get our seats, we're sitting down. And then a security gal walks around and she's like, hey, come here real quick. And we're like, what's up? And she's like, do you guys want seats? Like, seat seats? I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be fucking sick. Here you go. How many of you guys? Four. So we go and, you know, we ended up not that far off from where you you were. Nope. You sure? Yeah, you were right there. Because I saw you walk down. I'm like, oh, shit, that's Frog and Lonnie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like... uh we kind of made one of the guys there despondent because he was like sitting in front of us and he turned to my friend Alex. He's like, dude, these, it was before, you know, mating went on. He's like, man, fucking, these are good seats, pretty good seats, but God, they're fucking expensive. How much did you guys spend on your seats? And my buddy mm-hmm. was like, oh, we bought lawn seats and then we got here early and they just gave them these, uh, us, gave us these upgrades for free. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, fucking Really? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> he's like, I spent yeah. like $400. <laughs> I was like, we spent $45. Yeah. That's the kind of thing you can never count on. Happening, no, though. you just fucking. Yeah, dude. When I got those tickets, it was one of those. I mean, I'm always in charge of, uh, of getting the tickets because I don't have a day job and that shit's always on sale at 10 a.m. Yeah. Right. And so with Maiden, we always, whenever we hear shows coming, we rejoin the fan club so we could get the earliest uh, available ticket sale. So I'm there. I'm at my sister's. I got two laptops going because I got to get eight tickets, right? My nephews are there kind of helping me out. As soon as that shit fucking opens up, it's like, that's the fucking time out of every other fucking time that Ticketmaster wants to like verify your fucking identity or whatever the fuck before the fucking. And of course, one of the identities is not mine. It's my brother-in-law Roy's and he's not there. He's at work and he doesn't have the type of job where you could just get a hold of him in a fucking second, you know? So I'm fucking flipping out the fucking, the internet on, on uh, this laptop, which I'm counting on right now to not lose internet because it never does, loses internet that fucking day, <laughs> right? So I got to fucking re-get back on the internet, re-get back on fucking Ticketmaster, and fucking somehow, and I'm fucking yelling and fucking screaming and fucking getting ready to throw shit. And somehow, I, got, I managed to get the fucking tickets that I wanted, which was the first row behind the pit. So right behind the pit, there's like a little section and it's almost like like at Cox where in the handicap section where you have like the seats are separated. You have like room and shit in between. It's like that, but in the front. Yeah. Big old chairs and shit and whatever. And Maiden is the one show a year or every two years or whatever that I just don't even fucking look at the fucking price of it because I know I don't want to pay that. For any fucking thing, but I'm just gonna. 
because the homies are going to be on the floor or on the fucking or close up or whatever. So I got to be there too. So yeah, so that's how we got the tickets that day. And then day of show, I was fucking trying to fucking tell everybody get there early because it's a bitch getting into the parking lot. Leave early to go into the show because it's a bitch getting into the fucking show. Because we had been to Santana and Earth, Wind and Fire like a month earlier. And we missed some of Earth, Wind and Fire because we couldn't get in. We, we tried to leave too late to get into the parking lot. And we tried to leave the parking lot too late to get into the yeah. show. So this time I fucking told everybody, okay, by this time we got to fucking do this. By this time. And we got in fucking comfy, everything. Got to those fucking seats, and I was just like, God damn, these are the fucking best seats I've ever had for anything. Because I've, you know, obviously been on the floor and been closer and shit. But, you know, uh, the Maiden show in L.A. was, like, so retarded that people were, like, pitting during Hallowed Be Thy Name and shit. And it was just like, you know, I was just like, yeah, I don't want to fucking, it wasn't that bad here at all. But I was just like, I didn't want to get into that. I wanted a fucking chair. So this was like the best I could get and have a chair. And it fucking just, by some luck of the fucking draw, it worked out. Yeah. So that, that shit was awesome. There was like, you know, nobody in front of me. I could fucking see fucking everything. Like literally, I could have recorded the whole show. And it would have been like almost like a fucking, like almost pro shot. Because there yeah. was nobody in front of me, you know. And actually, somebody did record the whole show. And it went up on YouTube like three or four days ago. So I was just watching it before this. And so I got, I've got i got a real good... Uh, it was it, it, It's crazy that you can do that nowadays. Like, you could maybe find video of the show that you were just at, you know. Like, I remember back in the days, like, Metallica did a DVD of a San Diego show that I was at. And that was awesome. I watched it over and over, you know. But so this was a trip because it was, like, remembering some of the intros to the songs and the banter that went on between songs and shit like that. (laughs) And... And uh, they got some cool shots of the crowd where you could like, hey, I think I know that fool, you know. So that shit was cool. But uh, yeah, I just watched it right now. So that shit's fresh on my mind.
What were your impressions of the show? My impressions of the show were that it was... It's interesting because I, I am a huge Iron Maiden fan, but they're not my favorite band of all time. They're probably they're okay. in my top five, but that was probably the best concert I'd ever been to in my entire life. Just best overall show. Yeah. So they started leapfrogging bands on my fucking top five just based off of <laughs> how good it was live. Like, um, yeah, you know, I've seen older bands and Maiden by just by far is the best mm-hmm. representation of like how they were in their prime as I've right. ever seen in an older band like Sabbath for sure. You know, Iomi has, has the advantage of he's always been the motherfucker that just stood there. But when we watched, like when we got all excited about Blackmore kind of reforming rainbow and then we watched it and it mm-hmm. was like, yeah. he was just standing there. Mm. I was like, Ooh, this sucks. Right. I don't like this. Yeah. Um, that's not him. And it takes away from other aspects. Like if he was like that dude again, it might have covered up the fact that Ronnie Romero wasn't quite as good as some of the other vocalists he's had. Mm-hmm. But because he was he wasn't the star of his own show, you kind of had yeah. to focus on Ronnie Romero more. So you start picking out right. little faults in the way he sings. Yeah. And Blackmore is all strummy. Yeah. But this was, you know, fucking Bruce Dickinson is the... He's fucking ageless. His yeah. vocal quality has only barely deteriorated. Barely. And he's running around on stage. He's fucking doing sword fights. It's And he's fucking 60, you know? Yeah. That's a six-year-old yeah. man doing all the same shit. Like, perfect fucking... He's in great shape. You know, when you see shit like fucking fat Vince Neil barely croaking mm-hmm. out songs that aren't even vocally difficult to begin with. Right. Um, anytime you have to have some bitches singing most of the song for you as your quote backup dancer yeah. singers, you know, you don't got it anymore. Right. But Bruce is just out there commanding it and <clears throat> a great shape, great voice, just insane theatrics the whole time. And for normally sure. When you look at some bands, when you see an overly theatrical band, usually that goes hand in hand with maybe they're not the best musicians. Kiss were never the greatest musicians in the world, but man, they're going to send off 800,000 fireworks during the time and Gene Simmons is going to fucking breathe fire and spit blood and they're going to do all kinds of crazy shit with their stage setup to kind of make you at least go, whoa, that was fucking sick. Mm-hmm. And you forget about the fact that maybe Ace was fucked up, wasn't playing the song right, or Peter Chris wasn't holding the timing as much as he used to, or Paul Stanley is using a backing track. You get distracted by all the goings on. Whereas right. with Maiden, the band has never been tighter. Um, Bruce right. has barely lost a step. So it's like you have a yeah. band that's been playing together for over 40 years for the most part that are just locked in with each Mm -hmm. other with a great vocalist that can still fucking bring it. And then they have the craziest stage. show you've ever seen in your life. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's really the place where maiden has improved the most because I mean, they always had a lot of theatrics. They always had Eddie, you know, they always had a Bruce running around with the flag during the trooper. And, you know, they've had different things over the years for different songs, but, now it's like 
almost every song has a little show associated with it. Yeah. So they've really brought that to the next level. It's You could enjoy the show even if you didn't really like the music that much. Yeah. I told my wife about that. I just said, you know, um, every fucking song was like watching like some sort of one act play. Like it was like every, like you said, there was like a whole stage set up. There was, they changed sets constantly. Mm -hmm. You know, you had fun little stuff like for fear of the dark where he's coming out with his, his lantern and right. And then it's so dramatic, you know, where he's, you know, leaving the, how the way the song ends, you know? Yeah. I am the man who walks alone. And then he walks off the stage. Yeah. Fade you to know? black. And it's like, you could just do an Iron Maiden play <laughs> based off of some of that shit. Really? You know, and we're, yeah. The whole time, it was like I told my wife when I came back. So she's like, so how was it? I'm like, okay. So first off, it was the best fucking concert I've ever seen in my life. And she's like, okay. Mm-hmm. She's like, that's good. So she's like, it's good. So... It's okay that we weren't able to go to Disneyland this weekend. I was like, babe. Yeah. This was like the Disneyland of music. Yeah. (laughs) There was never a single second that there wasn't something fucking cool to look at while cool song music is being played. Like it's right. If, if the monsters movie was visually stimulating, but fucking awful. Mm. Otherwise this was like visually stimulating. And then everything else was rad. So it's like, yeah, you're listening to some of your favorite songs. And then also Brood Stickinson has a fucking flamethrower backpack where he's shooting fire out of his wrist and shit. (laughs) And, you know, you're what, you you know, they're eights as high as playing. And then a giant fucking inflatable plane comes down and it's swooping around the stage and they're playing Iron Maiden and a giant Eddie comes out. That's, the whole thing was just yeah insanity the whole time and right yeah and it's like goddamn like they Dave Callens a friend of ours he said that you know a lot of bands watch um, Spinal Tap and say mm-hmm. oh we inspired this part or we inspired this part and Dave said right. I feel like Iron Maiden watched Spinal Tap and said oh we can fucking do bigger than that <laughs> like yeah <laughs> yeah. For sure. I, I got to see Dave and uh, David Novin before the show, which was cool. That's another yeah. added bonus of the but show. But when you watch awesome. those like old, old, like the older Iron Maiden shows, it's going to be theatrical. And then fucking Eddie's going to hobble across the stage. Right. And this time it's like you got fucking Eddie on stilts in a sword fight or during the trooper. Mm-hmm. He fucking shoots Eddie with a flag. <laughs> That also is a gun. And like trying to explain this to my wife, like every time I try to explain something cool, she's just looking at me like I'm having like, I'm in the middle of some sort of fever dream. It's like, no. And then the zombie guy comes out and he's got a flag, but the flag also shoots a rocket at him. (laughs) You know? And she's like, what the fuck did you watch? Yeah. Yeah. It firmly straddles like that. I've said it a million times. Metal at its best is when it's straddling that line between like awesome and stupid. Cause it oh, yeah. really, when you got, <laughs> we got Bruce with his fucking flamethrower backpack. You're really straddling yeah. that line hard. It could be silly right. real quick. And I'm sure a lot of people probably see that and be like, 
what is this? But what got me is he's doing the flamethrowers. He's doing that. And then he finally stops and he puts his his microphone in his little fucking cock fucking holder there that he's got for it. And then surprises you with the fact that he's got another flamethrower on his arm. And now he's (laughs) doing like a fucking it's almost like when you watch like a like a ribbon dancer. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Flames shooting out of his hands. Flames. Yeah, that shit was <laughs> so, badass. I was like, "What? Am, what is even happening anymore?" But it was so much fun. Right. Uh, it definitely was like, "Fuck!" I hope they don't like retire in the next couple of years because I'm fucking. No they better shit. bring they they better bring an even bigger show the next time yeah. they come to San Diego. Maiden's one of the only bands that. I'll go that I'll go to LA and see him. I'll see him here. You know, I might see him twice. You know, that fuck it. You know, it's just one of those it's an exception to all the things that I don't normally do. The banter was fun even. Ah, the banter. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing about the banter. Two things. One, okay. We're technically in Chula Vista, right? Now, when the time came during the songs where he needed a response from the crowd, he knew where he was at. Scream for me, San Diego. He knew what the fuck. But in between songs, he kind of wanted to be all, where the fuck is Chula Vista? I've never been to Chula Vista. Chula Vista is somewhere North America, south of Alaska. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, okay, whatever. It was fun. Not... Yeah, but he he dug into it a couple more times. With I was just like, uh. and then he went uh, kind of fucking old man Bruce bitching about the fucking too much weed yeah. smoke or whatever and fucking. It's like, dude, that you know was what? an our yeah, show though. It. But You're he did do that. Dude. Like, uh, oh, he no, did? he did it here. I don't remember it. I think yeah. I remember him mentioning weed, but not like. Yeah, he didn't he didn't go as far into it as he had at an at a previous show. But he mentioned it again, and it was just like, you know, dude, it's like, we got a lot of weed around here, and Maiden fans are, you know, around here, usually stoners to some degree or another. I hate to break it to you, Bruce, but, uh, you know, but it's just one of those things. I just chuck it up to fucking, you know, he's not the only old dude who doesn't like to smell yeah. weed or whatever. It's just one of those things, but... It's also one of those things where, like with Bruce, you know, I've never been a huge fan of his banter. I like I didn't like his book <laughs> too much, whatever, you know. He's just like he, to me. It's like I I could tell I'd have a lot more fun hanging out with Paul Diano than I would hanging out yeah. with Bruce, you know. But Bruce will try to show you like an airplane or fucking sword fight or something. Yeah, well, that's that's what like that's what his book was, you know. Like he talked about the inside, describing the inside of a cockpit for like three chapters, you know, with no chapters on any groupies on the road. <laughs> Or any any kind of shit like that, or, or even mention of chicks. I get this. I get this feeling with Bruce, and uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm off the mark. I almost feel like that guy's somewhere on like the spectrum. 
Yeah, maybe like you know, he just like he's all business and all the all these things that he's like really fucking yeah. good at. You know, which which you know kind of makes sense. You know, you're probably not gonna be good at all those things if you're fucking stoned all the time. You know, so yeah, that that those that's a there's a, a equivalency there. But yeah, you know, just like he's um he's a strange dude. I mean, in yeah. a great way. But he's a strange yeah, he, dude. Yeah, uh, he also got a little bit of flack recently. Um, he did an interview and he said uh, he wants to see young people up front more. And he said mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be out there doing shows and looking into a sea of old crusties. Is the way he described it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the old crusties were like, hey, man, the old crusties are the ones that can afford your fucking tickets. Front row, motherfucker. Um, That's true. So put up with us. Us old crusties were fans of yours back. You know, we're old now, but we've been fans since we're in our 20s. So don't fucking shit on us so hard. And I think part of it is the fact that he's like the fucking Peter Pan of metal. Like he never grew up. And he feels like he's still in his 20s. So he doesn't want to see some fucking 60, 70 year old dudes not up front like jumping around or anything because he doesn't want to see old people that aren't as energetic as him well you know i recently uh went and saw the doobie brothers at san diego state and you know no disrespect to anyone but that the crowd was old crusties and the band was at at one point kind of frustrated with just everybody in the front sitting down because everybody you know they were fucking you know kind of they were making noise and they were into the music and everything but they're fucking sitting down because you know whatever their knees are bad yeah so am i that's why i'm not up front (laughs) it's like sitting up front in a comedy show and not laughing you don't need the fucking comic to fucking decide it's time to do crowd work uh not you know right on your ass because you're sitting there not laughing at his shit it's the same thing you don't want to like be at like a big concert like that's my fucking nightmare scenario now is i somehow get to be in the front room you know front row of fucking iron maiden but my knees hurt now i got fucking bruce dickinson pointing at me specifically (laughs) get up you fucking get the fuck up (laughs) i specifically said no old crusties like Man, I gotta fucking pace myself. Why don't you play some fucking like deep cuts I can sit through more? Do my feet hurt? Uh, Speaking of the, yeah, the set list. I'm gonna tell you one thing. A band is fucking, you know, a band is just like huge when people are singing along with the opening song. So they always open with a, (laughs) you know, uh, UFO's Dr. Doctor. And right. other, all bands do this now. They have like their intro song that's not a song of theirs for whatever reason. Like right. Metallica has always had um, Ecstasy of the Gold uh, from the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. So it's not a song that you're going to like sing along with. But they they have UFO's Dr. Doctor play. Right. And you know the band's coming on. So there's an anticipation. When they start blasting Dr. Doctor, the whole crowd is singing along with UFO. To get fucking hyped up, man. Like, so that's always yeah. fun. And I love UFO. So I'm glad that, you know. Yeah. I'm glad that Maiden has given him all that love over the years, you know. Hell yeah. And then. For uh, sure. Yeah. The set list 
was uh, it was new shit heavy up front. Yeah, three new songs to start, which is like unheard of because most of the time you run on the stage to Aces High or fucking something like that that you know everybody fucking gets into right away, and in this case they didn't do it. But I think like they're just so fucking uh, confident now. Now it's it's almost like you know you know equating to comedy again. You know usually you do a strong bit yeah. first, proven bit first, and then and then again at the end and in the middle you fuck around a little bit. But I guess if you're fucking confident enough, you could just open yeah. with some new shit and fucking and that's what they did and it worked out. You know because first of all, yeah. the new songs are cool. Then also Eddie makes the first appearance in the fucking second song, the samurai, the fucking uh, the samurai shit. So that's like the earliest appearance of Eddie ever in a Maiden show, you know. So that so that kind of helped you know boost that part of it. And once the new songs were done, it was like nothing but fucking anthems from here on to the end. So that was badass because it just the show caught momentum. And it was one of those shows that you that you know, as an older dude, sometimes you know I I won't say it, but sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm kind of glad this shit's over, you know, yeah, kinda, you know, glad this shit's winding down, you know. But with me, I, I was not, I was yeah. wishing it wouldn't be over, even though I knew it was gonna be. I was just like, fuck, man, yeah, it was. Uh, it really caught momentum the way they put the set list together. Yeah, it was an interesting set list, like you said, because they opened with uh, Senjutsu, then went into Stratego, mm-hmm. and then the writing on the wall, and then we had to sit through a pretty big transition of like the first like set change, <laughs> where it's like the sounds of yeah. like the walls coming down type of thing, and they did uh, Revelations uh, from Peace of Mind, but then they went and they did um, Blood Brothers, which is right. It's newer, I guess, but that was from uh, mm-hmm. uh, Brave New World. So that's uh, a relatively newer album. And then right. <clears throat> that's when they went with uh, their first after. The, so they did a couple deep cuts, too. So they went new shit, something from Peace of Mind, a deep, a little bit of a deep cut. Then they did Sign of the Cross mm-hmm. off of the X Factor, which was one of, you know, a Blaze song. And made that right. sick. <laughs> and then yeah. it was like, okay, here we go. Fly to Vicarus, Fear of the Dark, Hallowed Be Thy Name, Ooh. The Number of the Beast, Iron Maiden, The Trooper, The Klansman, Run to the Hills, Aces High, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I think it's what's really interesting is um, The Klansman has become, and that's spelled with a C. Uh, <laughs> it's about uh, fucking uh, William Wallace. So it's the Braveheart song. Yeah. For anybody that, you know, if you t- hear us talk about how our, oh man, the Klansman is such a good song. Good Not shit. the clan you're yeah. thinking of. <laughs> You're thinking of a Scottish yeah. clan. But um, that's go. a Blaze song. That That's kind of, they started mm-hmm. doing that live a few years ago. Scotland. Call the Clansman. 
And it's kind of turned into like a yeah. a crowd favorite. So it sort of yeah, vindicated sure. Blaze to a little bit to people because I didn't really listen to the Blaze albums that much. And I certainly didn't want to watch him live mm-hmm. on most of the shit. But if you listen to the Blaze Bailey version of the song, 
it fits his voice a lot better. The shit that he got to yeah. sing, his own shit, definitely sounds a hell of a lot better than him trying to do like Hallowed Be Thy Name or some shit like that. And this is turned right. into like, and good on fucking Bruce for being willing to do this. The, you, you don't have fucking Halford mm-hmm. singing any of the fucking Ripper shit. <laughs> yeah. And nobody's yeah, asking sure. him to. I can't think of a single, like, I'd have to go and listen right. to see if there's any, like, hidden gem on the Ripper Priest albums that maybe I'd want to I'd wanna hear. But, you know, you don't have... Ozzy doesn't, when he went back to rejoin Black Sabbath, it's all Ozzy shit. Right. He's not trying to fucking retool yeah. a Dio song. Or anything like that. It's this is what it is now. Yeah. Nobody was asking for new versions of Blaze Bailey songs, and they just decided to do it. And they're like, "No, check this out. We got some sick songs we did here, and I bet you'll fucking dig mm-hmm. it with Bruce." You know, it almost leads me to believe that it was Bruce's mm-hmm. idea because I because I don't really like you said. Nobody's asking the other dudes and I really think it would be kind of a far fetch for them to ask Bruce. You know, I almost feel like Bruce said, Hey, you know what? I like this song, you know, baby fucking whatever, whatever. And then they, <laughs> and they were like, really? Well, fuck. Yeah. Cause we, we like the song too, but yeah, you know, we didn't want to say nothing, you know, or, but yeah, man, you know, he, he kills those songs. You know, it's funny because right before leading up to the show, we watched me and Lonnie watched like, every live DVD that they have. And when in watching them, we were just like, man, before they wrap it up, like if they really ever do a last tour, they should do like the all yeah. anthem tour. Like it'll be like every song will either have some type of a fucking intro, like fucking Number of the Beast or a fucking call yeah. and response thing with the crowd. A big sing-along chorus. Yeah, all that shit and just have all the songs be that way. And we were trying to make a list and there is way too many songs. Even that we just came up with was way too many for just one show. So they could easily do it where, like you said, every song has a sing-along. Or every song has where they the crowd shouts the fucking chorus or whatever the fuck it is. And I hope they do something like that before it's it's all said and done. They're supposed to come back around and actually do the the Senjutsu tour, which will be heavier on the album. And I'll go see that shit too, man, because like I, I love Maiden regardless. They're not one of those bands where I sit there and nitpick the set list. And it looked to me I or not. Yeah. It's, I didn't going. see that they were having dates in the States for that, but No, but yeah, I think they will. I think, uh, you know, they're going to, uh, because I think another album is probably pretty far off. I'm glad that they announced it like this. <laughs> it's cool that it's interesting when you're announcing your next tour in the middle of a tour, but it's cool that they are announced like this is this tour, you know, we're going to do all mm-hmm. this, you know, it might be smaller, smaller shows. Um, we're just going to play the new album. I think I'm mixing up because they're talking about doing like um, one of the 80s albums in its entirety in Europe. It was going to be, I think it was somewhere in time, but um, that'd be awesome. The last time they did something like this, people didn't know. So they went to see them when they're touring for Brave New World and just heard all of Brave New World. 
with a couple of hits and there's a lot of people in the audience that were sort of pissed uh, because they they wanted to hear the hits and they spent a lot of money on tickets yeah. and they got all of the new album and maybe like the trooper and hallowed be that name to close it out or something right they did that i think in irvine i think it was a matter of life and death tour and yeah, my buddy George was bummed, man. He was like, man, they didn't fucking play this, they didn't play that, they played, I didn't know none of the fucking songs. Like, yeah, man, you know, And but I knew, so I, you know, was ready for it, whatever. And you know what? And it's still, it really is not the same experience as, you know, like the well, show yeah, that we just cause... saw. But to me, it was still badass because they're still fucking sick-ass band and they're fucking killing it yeah. and i like that album if you didn't buy the album and maybe heard like the lead single or something for it you might know that song mm-hmm. the problem when you do that is you're playing right. songs that you may never play live again so yeah. you're getting it out and having fun but if you're you you may be listening and it's like i i liken it to like when i go see a band that maybe i don't really know their shit but they're fucking cool like it's mm-hmm. a like it's a cool band opening for a band that I'm here to see, so I'm digging it, but I don't right. know the songs, so I can't like sing along or I don't know all the fucking times to clap or whatever they're gonna ask me to do. Um, you know what? I was just thinking about this shit because I had an epiphany the other night because uh, Amana Marth is coming soon. I'm still not sure if we're going to go, but I, got my tickets I was showing it to Lonnie and she kind of dug it. Okay, cool. So I showed it to Lonnie and she kind of dug it. So there's a chance that we, that we might go. But um, in watching them, you know, they're not like full on growly band, but they're growly enough where you can't really yeah. hear the, understand the words. You know, maybe if you listen to it a bunch, you can fucking catch most of the words or whatever. But. The thing that fucking dawned on me is that if you're a fan of Amon Amarth or or even one of their more one of the more growlier bands, then you'll fucking buy the record, you'll get the lyric sheet, you'll fucking read the lyrics, you'll fucking start singing along with it, and then in your mind, you know the words and you, yeah. it goes like this, you know, and you and so really I've never invested that much in any of those bands. So I'm not really appreciating it at a level that I would be if I understood yeah. what the fuck the song was well, about. Well, it's about Viking you shit. Know? So you know that much. I think, <laughs> well, yeah. And you know what? And, 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 and I can make out the Valhalla's here and there and the fucking, the, the way of the fucking Viking and all that shit. Yeah, when you're listening to Guardians of Asgard, you know the part where it's like, Guardians, Guardians of Asgard. Yeah. You're like, okay, I know that part. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so so basically, I, I, I've realized that if I ever want to really get into any of these bands, I have to make that further investment of researching yeah. the words and finding out, you know, and, and singing along. You know, because after all, fucking, you know, the whole Viking thing is like a sing-along thing, you know. So yeah, for sure. Uh, when it when it when it comes to that, I I usually do enjoy show a lot yeah. more if I know the song. Tends to help. That's just <laughs> you know, 
But, you know, if you're, it's like when I saw um, Offspring a few months back. They're one of my favorite bands when I was in high school, mm. and that was kind of it. You know, I didn't buy a new album after like 1998 with them. So when I saw them, I had fun. And when they played songs off of the albums that I owned, <laughs> I was into it. Mm-hmm. But they play, they have like 20 plus years of songs since I stopped really actively following them. So there's a lot of shit. Right. And they don't know when you quit. <laughs> you know, I remember at one point they played a bunch of new shit. They're playing some shit off of their new album, off of some of the more recent ones. And I'm like, Okay, you guys can play a song that I know again now. And then you got Dexter like, this is the first time we've ever played this song live. I'm like, oh no. (laughs) Because it was off their brand new album and San Diego was the first stop on that tour. So it was literally the first time they played that song live was at the concert I was at, which is a fun thing. And it was an okay song, but I didn't know it. So I'm just like, Right. We. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Which the funny thing is that at most of these shows, there's somebody close to the front that's just con- consistently yelling, play some old shit. You know, as if they're going to switch yeah, up their fucking set Greg, list for you. you Greg know? has a plan, guys. <laughs> we need to fucking throw it out. Tell me, yeah. you know what? Here, Greg, fucking just we're gonna play the the one album you listen to a lot when you're 16 how about that that would be great yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um yeah <laughs> you know so it was it was still a fun show but yeah and i didn't hate any of the songs really but it was like i don't know these these aren't my like offsprings they got that tempo that's really best to listen to when you're like 16 <laughs> you know and it's you know they have the funny songs that seem funnier when you're a teenager and shit like that. Right. So, yeah. And yep. Maiden, at least, when they're playing the new shit, it's fucking heavy as shit and sounds cool. You know, the way um, my buddy Alex was saying, because he was like, this is the best concert I've ever been to, hands down. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, me too. He's like, you've been to a lot more concerts than me. And so that says a lot. But he was like... Mm-hmm. These fucking old dudes go hard, man. He's like these. Yeah. He's like all these songs are long as fuck. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, especially the newer ones. <laughs> they keep getting more and more proggy. So they're playing like all these like eight to ten minute songs the whole night. You know, and it's like he's like all these songs are fucking long as shit with tempo changes and all kinds of stuff. He's like, they just go hard on every single sure. song. This is fucking incredible. So Hell yeah. Running. Running around. I'd be remiss, too, if I didn't mention that. Fucking, I'm a Dave Murray guy. I've always been a Dave Murray guy. Like, when in the early days, he was in high in my top five. Uh, and he had a fucking great night. I thought he fucking sounded great. There have been uh, other other times that I've seen him where I didn't feel like he was playing that well as well as he used to, uh, but he was on. He was on, and I really fucking liked it, and I, I bought tickets on his side of the stage on purpose. I always do, and fucking, yeah, shout out to fucking Dave Murray killing it still. 
All right. Fuck yeah. I think we said all we need to say. All right. That was a pretty, pretty free form yeah. ramble <laughs> about an Iron Maiden concert. Yep, there. for sure. So if you, yeah. So if you've never seen Iron Maiden before, fucking see them while you can. They don't look like they're gonna be stopping anytime soon, but you never know. <laughs> never know. Um, I was. Um, uh, Christy McVie died today from Fleetwood Mac, and I was just thinking that I think maybe rock stars or celebrities or maybe even just people in general nowadays are looking so much younger than people used to look that yeah. they're kind of shocked when they die. You know, even though they're old, yeah, she's as fuck, almost eighty. Really. Because they don't seem that old. Yeah, she's almost, yeah. So, but I never really thought of her as an old lady or thought, oh, you know what? Uh, like when uh, Lindsey Buckingham couldn't get back in the band or whatever. I never thought, well, probably won't matter because one of them will probably die soon anyway, you know. But, yeah, man. We're, again, like you said, uh, you know, God forbid anything would happen to the bands we love, but... Life is hey. precious. <laughs> yeah, and there, and so is time. Man, fucking, let's knock on wood, but God, I don't know how much longer we're going to have Ozzy, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, see him while you can. And with that, we'll call it a episode. So, thanks for uh, checking out another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And we are out.